Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com What up? It's Tom from Cannabis Legalization News. Tonight, Miggy and I sit down with Chris Walsh, the CEO of MJ Biz Daily, and we talk about NJ BizCon. Come see me out there on October 19th to the 22nd in Vegas. And don't forget to smash them thumbs up and click subscribe and the bell in case you don't get notice of these things in the future. And with that, let's get on with the show. What's up? We are getting really close to... Um, Ohio being open for business. And as a result of that, we have some stuff that I'm working on taking a dispensary uh, business model and a business financial model and adapting it to what the, the application requires. So that's going to be fun. And then we also have a filing deadline today for appeals periods for wrongly scored applications uh, that were denied a dispensary lottery in yeah. Illinois. So the industry is just cranking along and growing. Thanks for oh, joining yeah. us, Biggie. How's things? Good, man. Good. You know, I, I smoked a little too much and got distracted, so uh, we almost didn't meet today. <laughs> My goodness. You got to be careful when you medicate. Sometimes you have to prioritize and titrate accordingly. You know how it is, man. I'm, I'm feeling good, man. Uh, uh, I'm really excited about this, this guest today. Like, you know, I've been getting more and more on, on the quality and business side of things. I've been looking as far as, like, what I've been doing for what I do for a living. You know, I'm, right. I'm in quality, so, like, and troubleshooting and, uh, and i get caught up in that shit and then and i get in the zone kind of like when you're driving somewhere for a long time right. and you just can focus and that's where, that's where i'm at you know cannabis helps me like you know just kind of like fuck everything else i'm gonna do the thing that i'm supposed to do and so and here we are you know this right. is one of the things i'm supposed to do right i know but like do you think you're ever gonna go to uh like a business convention in cannabis oh yeah that, that means bound to happen what, what i'm really concerned I'm, I'm my focus right now is the uh uh uh, you know, it's so funny, dude. Like, I think uh, the the boring stuff. Life is boring if you do it right. Like, like this whole policy, having a living. You know, the checks and balances. It's... I don't know, man. I mean, life could be <laughs> fulfilling if you do it right. It could have meaning, and like, you uh, could make you feel proud and stuff. But uh, yeah, it should be boring. Like, I was clipping my toenails the other day. Ugh, but so over that. First world issues, though. I'm saying, like, mm -hmm. like, like. You know, we have an opportunity in, in this, like we've been advocating for a long time. And then it just turns out like we're responsible adults who like, holy shit, our jobs can transfer over. We can do things in cannabis and and, and help the plant and help the conversation all together. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, no. So the, the, the QMS part right now, I'm looking at, um, are you familiar with ASTM? ASTM, it has to do with certain standards for, and I don't know what TM stands for, accredited standards for trade and management. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a standard industry that's been around for over a hundred years, but they're like the, the go-to when you want to do like a reference for say safety or a product. So now they're, they're in the cannabis game. They're doing a, a, a uh, let me yeah. see if I can share this with you. Our applications yeah. will reference them. And so we also yeah. like to reference the focus standards. Uh, and then there'll be like ISO standards for GMP that we're going to have to start referencing in our SOPs, especially on the cultivation and, uh, and you know manufacturing side, because those are the ones that the uh, federal acts are going to regulate just like they do in Canada. Yeah, I know. But so this is exciting to me whenever I see like this boring, sexy, lit, lit, you know, uh, the rules. You're like, you know, the, the, the testing... One of the things I've really never like when people talk about TAC percentages, I just roll my eyes because there's no mm -hmm. established way yet. We the consumer's still ignorant, but 
if we in the background, it's like it, Moody's. It's like the the Big Short with when they're rating those bonds, and then the bonds are just junk. And you're like, really? They're just going to go down to the testing lab right there that says it's going to be thirty one percent. Right. And as someone who's been in the industry, I, I can see a lot of I've seen a lot of bullshit. And hmm. so I would like to help champion like the best policy out there, the best way we can do things, you know, and you know, enlighten the consumer because. Dude, I once I get my story out there, there's there's a a, a tell to be told about things in in metrology. Go to the bizcons then. Have you ever yes. been to a marijuana trade show? No, but I do want to. And uh, that is where the industry lives. The industry yes. is kind of like a circus to a certain extent, in the sense that there are trade shows, and then people buy booths for thousands of dollars. And then they say, "Yes, I'm in the. Of course, I can get you that cannabis license. Do you want lights? We got lights, newts." It's news. And that's essentially yeah. what the, the cannabis industry has been growing on, has been all these trade shows. Uh, you know, we have the, these shirts. That's the back of them has trade shows. Some have been uh, riddled by COVID. Some yeah. we actually are going to still be able to do. And the one that is going to be next week, not next week, October 19th through the 22nd in Vegas is one of the granddaddies of them all. Yes. Yes. No, yeah. no, I, I really do. Uh, events, you know, and Cannabis and events come hand in hand, kind of like, you know, uh, Puff Puff Pass, you know, we're, we, we are social people and uh, it's definitely, a, a, this is definitely the big one coming up. I, It's kind of like prom, right? The thing that people are like, oh, we can't wait to, for this. This is definitely one of the ones coming up, right? The big hooded deuce. Well, you should go to it. I'm going to try to make it, but I'm having some issues getting out of Humboldt County uh, on, on Wednesday, uh, the 20th. And so Spirit Airlines, blaming them. Oh, man. Well, again, I'm, I'm in a better position where I can do things like that. But uh, uh, yeah, you buy my ticket? Let's do this. Um, no, revenues have been, uh, we've been reinvesting the proceeds. And so, no, like, I know, uh, man. I'm just talking yeah. shit. <laughs> but let's have our guest on. Let's talk to our guest. <laughs> hey, Chris. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. Chris Good. Walsh, thank you so much for joining us. Can you uh, introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Yeah. I, um, I helped start MJ Biz in 2011, and we do um, media and analysis and uh, news and market research on the cannabis industry, which we've been doing for over a decade. And then, as you both alluded to, we also host in-person trade shows and conferences, and our big one, MJ BizCon, is coming up very soon, and we're excited to, to be back live and in person and getting this industry together. Fantastic. Yeah. 2011. Man, I had so much student loan debt then. That was a pretty much when I was told to stop promoting uh, a book. That's how I met Miggy uh, from, you know, back in MySpace days 10 years ago. And I became a financial uh, litigator. Tell you what. How, how is it going? In, in, yeah, how, 10 years later, look at how much changes. So how much growth have you seen in your, uh, in your business in that 10 years? Yeah, it's been quite a ride. When we first started, uh, the two co-founders hired me to help launch it. And uh, basically, it wasn't an industry taken very seriously back then. And I was a mainstream business journalist working at newspapers and covering all sorts of industries like the skiing business and sports business and the economy and high tech. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we didn't really know what this industry was going to do or what its potential was, but we knew there was a need for a professional approach to covering the news so that people had um, you know, analysis and, and, and a an outline of what's going on, the developments that they could rely on. That wasn't, you know, a guy sitting in his basement blogging and just uh, making stuff up or just ranting about the government, right? That's kind of what it was <laughs> then. So we were like, hey, this is this is a new industry. It's coming out of nowhere and it needs the things that other industries have, like a professional trade publication. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at that time, I think just over a dozen states had legalized medical Mm-hmm. And uh, we we pegged the industry around that at about a million, a million and a half. There were no numbers anywhere. So it was, you know, we had to take what we could get and come up with estimates. Um, and, uh, and, and so it was a really small industry in general. And then what we saw was uh, over the last 10 years, this industry has exploded. And, uh, and it went way beyond what we ever expected. I mean, not only on the medical side, which I always felt would gain traction because of what it can do for people and how it can help. And if people just realize that, we'd see uh, people accept it and begin to legalize it. So we saw that play out, but the whole adult use slash recreational side uh, was was amazing to see 
Uh, and I, I remember when Colorado and Washington legalized, I was like, I don't know if this is actually going to be a real industry. Like, is the federal government just going to really let businesses crop up and sell to adults? How, how was that? Because now we're going back to when the Seahawks played the Broncos. Oh, let's not bring that up. Let's but, not bring that up. Super Bowl. Bowl. It's so ironic. That, <laughs> I mean, that was what the first Super Bowl was. It was the two legal states. Uh, I had just gotten like, – I was lucky to make it out of Seattle before that uh, blizzard that hit Chicago on the day that they actually played that game. And it was such a trip to be able to go and buy legally or what you thought was legally. Some yeah. people would just deliver it to you back then. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, eight years later, it's uh, it's pretty much breaking out everywhere. Well, yeah. So we were at a billion and a half in sales and now we're at, you know, 20 billion with the expectation we're going to get, we're going to, we have the potential to double that in just a couple of years because the train is out of the station. The momentum is everywhere you look, everywhere you look, mm-hmm. this industry is growing and thriving yeah. and, and the future looks, looks bright in general. Do you see, cause I mean, you've been around like all these, uh, like you were saying, like it's not the, the guy in the basement blogging, uh, uh, but also like, you know, there's like all these like canna everything. You know, everybody has their canna something. And but you guys came out MJ Biz Daily as like a business. Like no, like it's a very clean website. You have a U.S. and international option, and, and then you also cover the hemp industry. Uh, but like the business side, like you're saying, like like the talking about stocks and and taxes. Like, did you were you nervous about like content for that kind of shit? Like, does it have people out there as far as like who's going to read this? They're, like all these little basement bloggers mad about like 9-11 or something. And then you're like, Hey, this is a business. Well, yeah, it was what we, we had to, we had to pivot along the way because we initially set out and our, our company's name was, um, you know, dispensary insider. And we wanted to provide like <clears throat> really good Intel on how you can operate and run your dispensary specifically, mm. you know, and, and figure out what's on your shelves and, and how you can increase your profit margins the industry wasn't very sophisticated back then from a business standpoint. So uh, people weren't really interested in that stuff uh, and they weren't going to pay for it. Uh, you know, so, yeah. so then I was like, we were, we, we determined that the industry just needed a really good news source that only focused on the industry and on the business side. It's mm. very easy to go down the path of writing for consumers, but we we're like, no, let's, you know, we're business people and we know what we need. This industry needs it too. So we've had pivots along the way, but to your point, yeah, at the beginning, it was hard to figure out, like any business, where is your market? How are you going to make money? And how do you best serve your clients or your audience or however you define it? So it took us a while to figure it out. And then the real, <clears throat> excuse me, iteration was we realized the industry needed a professionally run trade show. So mm. where business could be done. And at that time, you had, quote unquote, medical marijuana conferences. It had no, it had barely anything to do with medical at all. So if you were thinking about, um, hey, this is more of a clinical, pharmaceutical, or, or just medical industry, that wasn't being discussed, really. It was, you know, Cypress Hill, and it was bongs all over the show floor, and it was people smoking everywhere. And we were like, look, if this industry is going to be taken seriously, and it's going to grow, it needs professionalism. So that's what we set out to do. And so we said, let's host a real, legit trade show that is meant to help the industry and help the people that are starting and running businesses. And that's, that was another iteration that then has now become MJ BizCon, where in 2019, the last time we could hold it in person, we had 35,000 attendees and uh, over 1,100 exhibitors in the Las Vegas Convention Center. And I just want to point out our first year of holding this in 2012, we couldn't find a venue that would take us wow. in Denver. And they were like, yeah. oh, we don't want a, a marijuana conference. So we did end up finding one. Um, but now we're in the Las Vegas Convention Center in two of their major halls. And that just shows you how how much this industry has changed over the years and how accepted it is now. There's a lot of uh, conventions in Vegas itself. Like, why do you think Vegas is such a hot spot? I mean, casinos? I mean, is that the, the go-to? But, I, I, you know, like for me, events, cannabis events especially, um, yeah, you know, the Cypress Hill stuff. But, you know, I think because the after parties where a lot of your business is done like at a bar over a beer or a joint you know like yeah. next thing you know you just like for us last time tom was in town we had a a guest on and over a beer after a beer i got my son into a new college like like just like that he just made a phone call and that's how business happens you know yep. where it's like hey we're gonna i'll now sell your shirts at my store or whatever um serendipity yep yeah do you find like the the 
that you're you're still back to that Cypress Hill because the consumer is both like country and western. You know, like there's diversity in the, in the as the consumer goes. So are you trying yeah, to entertain that? You know, we're focused on the business side, and and you can apply that to the business side because a lot of people in the industry, if not most, if not all, uh, also participate in the cannabis culture. So it's really with the focus on business. Again, we don't aim at consumers. We're, we're the, it's the people running businesses and making decisions and investors. And uh, but they we embrace the culture side as well because that's the backbone of the industry. In terms of Vegas, we made the decision to go there. We held our first conference in Denver. Then we went to Seattle area. I say area because it was outside of Seattle. It was in Auburn. And the only place that would take us there was a racetrack. Oh, wow. Where we had our second one, right? And so then we'd made a... a So you guys had like a dirt track? No, no. It was like a... The infield was the exhibitors? No, it was inside. It was in their main area where people bet and they pipe and draped it off. And How um, many people went to number two? Number two is a... You know, it's been a while since I looked at it. It was probably like double, which was nice. You know, it it was solid growth. And then is what happened is, um, you know, we decided to go to Vegas because it's the convention capital of the country. Mm. People like Vegas, people hate Vegas, but it has a lot of um, positives to holding an event there. People like to go out. You can have those parties. You can meet at those bars. There's entertainment. And it's it just knows how to do events. So mm. when we did that, some people were saying, why are you going to Nevada? They have this weird medical program. It's they don't even have regulations around it. Why aren't you going to Colorado or Washington? But we just felt for the long term, we wanted to establish this base in Vegas. And it paid off because Vegas and Nevada is now a thriving recreational market. Yeah. And they're doing, you know, they're doing things that in the recreational side with retail that other states aren't doing at all. It's fun. It's like there's some of these are like Vegas dispensaries. Like you can imagine it's lit up floors and drone balloons and oh, in sink it's like it's vegas right so really yeah, good we're happy to be there. yeah that's fantastic that's really really cool and uh you've always approached it uh, from that business perspective and you've you have this very large website do you have like writing standards that you have for your site when you're doing publications yeah and that's what we built this on i mean my background and the two co-owners uh co-founders um we all had a uh, a journalism background to some degree. That was my major field. And both of them had run trade publications before. And and so we built the company with those types of standards and ethics. And that goes across everything we do. And, and a lot of people criticize journalists these days, and I get it. I'm from the media. My father is a White House correspondent. Like I've been steeped in it, but you can do it right or you can approach it right. And that's what we've tried to do. And it's like, it's it's serious business news. It's, you know, we're, we're trying to get to the meat of the issue we're trying to be objective. We're not uh, writing about companies because they're an advertiser, you know. So mm. we were approaching it in in a more traditional uh, way that helped us build our credibility, and that was our backbone of everything we've done since then. Is approaching our events and our market research with that same approach. Wow! Speaking of that market research, we actually uh, one of the things that I do is you have to cite reasons when you're making up financial models, and so you have to kind of take a look at fact books. So sometimes we'll be citing the Marijuana Business Factbook. This is the eighth edition. Uh, which edition are they on now? Uh, wow, we launched our first one in 2012. So so if, almost up to uh, maybe nine or ten. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yep. And that's so neat. Well, it's it, you need that stuff. I mean, you need to yeah. understand how large the market is, what the rules of the game are, if it's open, if it's limited. Uh, and then from there, there's so many other places uh, that you can turn to for uh, data regarding the market so that you can create your financial models that you need for your business plans. But um, cool. I'm, you know, thanks for making this, man. It really helped. Well, let me let me just give you a quick backstory. When we first launched that again, there was barely any data on this industry. States weren't really tracking it. So a lot of states didn't even have regulations or licenses. So right. it was really hard to figure out the size and scope and all the intricacies. So mm. I spent countless hours and weeks and months on our first one trying to figure out, like, what can we put together that's meaningful? And that isn't just a bunch of gibberish and numbers thrown out there that has some basis in mm. logic into how you got the numbers and how you figured this all out. And it, I still remember I would be staying up till three or four in my house researching the laws of, of various states and and trying to cobble together what, what I could right. to put up some reasonable um, estimates on, on, on everything. Uh, now we're in a much better position. There's a lot more data out there. Uh, so in some cases it's easier, but the industry is a lot more complex and a yeah. lot bigger. So in some cases it's more difficult. 
Yeah, and I, I just uh, was updating our dispensary model. Uh, and so we've looked into Michigan data. Michigan does a good job publishing data. And if you guys are tuning in and you want to influence the regulations in your state, require that your state publish the data on how much is being bought of what. And, and it really makes it a lot easier for you to track growth and also for you to track like the revenue and trends. But sometimes when I try to see the data from like Illinois, it's very opaque. It's just a, a group line item, like four columns. And you're like, wow, really doesn't give you much. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, regulations are interesting. I really like how Washington State, there's a lot of decent data out of there, like i502.org or something. But trying to find that data is was had to have been mind-bogglingly frustrating and com uh, complex back 10 years ago when you were putting oh. the first one. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, I remember those days and I'm glad we did it, but uh, you know, every state handled it completely differently and yes. they still do now. But back then a lot of them weren't reporting any data. Again, you couldn't even figure out the number of, of licensed retailers in some state because they didn't, they didn't have that. They didn't, weren't even tracking it. it was, That's a proof. Crazy. Oh, so that, that's just a, just a powerful tool that you have there. I mean, I bet you can't wait until federal legalization and it's all the same. We, we just uh, spoke to a gentleman from Germany, and apparently, you know, how we do it state by state, you know, the, the, the cluster F that we have versus uh, they're going to just do one sweep and all the rules will be the same, you know, all, yeah. all about it. Man, that, that's a helpful tool right there. Be nice. It'd be nice to get there here one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If everything could just be regulated the same way. So everything was speaking the same language because you have to you're doing translations of pounds per light to grams per square foot. And yeah. like, all right, can, can we get any type of standardization tax when you're trying to like uh, account for your taxes in a particular area? It might be jurisdictionally specific. I mean, so you're going to have and then there's the federal IRC 280E. It's uh, it is a complex industry to try to operate in more than one jurisdiction. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and if you if you step back, though, it makes sense because, yeah, it could have been done differently. Sure. But every state has had to go their own way with cannabis. And. Excuse me, I tickle my throat. And so every, it, this, is a, this is a brand new industry that was not is not federally legal. So every state's figuring it out on their own and they have different considerations and concerns and hesitations and optimism. And, you know, when you take something as difficult and this has a stigma around it, like cannabis, um, you know, I don't really see another way it could have worked because there was no overarching guidance and every state is just like, okay, uh, we're going to pick and choose and cherry pick things that we think work and oops, that didn't work. And this state's having a problem with that. So it's just, it's this iteration. It's a long maturation process, right? And people are learning that we're all learning as we go. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the, the the public in general would be surprised still learning about cannabis. I mean, Texas with their beef with Delta 8 and CBD. I mean, you know, it, once everybody has an even playing field, then we can have a, a level conversation. But, you know, I bet you see, being that you, you're business oriented, though, I imagine like every time a new state comes out, you see like hits pop in that state. It must be like, oh, I see a, a lot of investors coming this way, you know, uh, yeah. analytic wise. That's a big part of what we do is, is help people identify opportunities and where they are and how to navigate them. So whenever a state legalizes, yeah, absolutely. You have a surge of interest from the people in that state. And you now have a surge in interest from people outside the state that are looking to expand in the current industry. So everyone's got their eye on what's the next state? What are the opportunities? What, are the, what is the regulatory structure? What is this going to look like? Do I have a play here? And what we're seeing more and more these days is the mainstream business professionals, entrepreneurs and investors are now taking the same approach. So I've spent the last couple months as the travel world has opened up, you know, speaking at mainstream events. So, you know, speaking at packaging conferences and speaking at uh, sweets and snacks and convenience wow. store. And, and because all these people in these other sectors are seeing this as a legit industry now and they're like, hmm, is there a crossover for us? Yeah, so that's you're seeing a lot of mainstream interest right now. Now they call us all the time over at cannabisindustrylawyer.com. I mean, the amount of leads that we'll get for people that are just they're entrepreneurs and they're very interested in getting in as their new areas open up, it's it's just nonstop. I mean, one state will go on fire and then another state will go on fire. And so right now, Ohio's really popping off because of the dispensary round for the 73 they have there. But their rules are completely different than the dispensary rules for what they did in Illinois. And they'll yeah. probably be completely different than in New Jersey. And we still don't know what those are. Uh, but 
people are eager to get in. Well, and I think the what, what's really uh, been one of the more recent milestones that is fueling this is legalization in New York and to a slightly lesser extent, New Jersey. And I think the reason is New York's the financial capital of the world. Yes, it's a big state with a lot of consumers, so that's attractive. But now you have in the headquarters of all these banks and, and investment funds and firms, this is in their backyard. And it has been in medical, but it was just medical. And I think that it's 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 a state that is really pushing things forward because now these people's minds are clicking, right? In the, in the halls of power in, in, in the money world. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we're interested now too uh, because we see it and we feel it and it's in our state. So I do think that was a big development over the past year uh, along with all the other ones too, like the other states legalizing. I think yeah. you had a good point though about the whole like, yeah, it's medical though. Like how <clears throat> people with money didn't see cannabis as a viable investment. Like Tom and I've said, cannabis has proven to be recession proof. You know, we've, we've gone through a pandemic. It's been proven essential. I mean, what else can we do? Yeah. And, and you're right. Could, you know, that get a tax break from IRC 288. That'd be pretty. Maybe like the, the United States could not treat it like it's heroin for yeah. once, you know. And that's what's ridiculous about this situation. I mean, you have you have 38 states that have legalized some form of marijuana and you have 19 that have legalized adult use. And you have a government that has not changed one single thing yeah. since it's 1971. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Planes haven't fallen out. People are running, you know, paying their bills or their life bills. Uh, you know, it's the, the reefer madness of stigma is still stench. You know, it's a, it's a stinky stench that, you know, it's like, I mean, it's, it's, in California. it's in, it's in Washington state. I mean, depending on where you are, even and so like other, Tony Gallo from Sapphire uh, security, shout out to him. He shared a cool thing on LinkedIn. Yeah, today. It was, yeah, great. I'm, he'll probably be at BizCon in a week or two. And so, but it was the map of New Jersey uh, with all the counties that adopted out. And so it's like two thirds red opt out counties. And so like, even though it's legal in New Jersey, it's not, you know, yeah. uh, and then if you look at a map of California, there's still a lot of opt outs there. Yeah. And same in Michigan, every election cycle that goes on because they can referendum. So at a local level, it's still being legalized, even in states like California and Michigan. It's really right. fascinating. It is. And, and is what you find is that it's all the rural areas of states, which make up the bulk of a state, right? Not, not its population, but its size. Yeah. Right. So when you look at the map and it's like, all red for bands, and then you have the pockets of blue, you know, or green, or however they color code it, that have that have you know, basically allowed recreational sales. It's the major population centers. Yeah, um, and I hate that that's a factor though. But like, like the stigma, it's like why for no good reason. Like the, the yeah. prohibition exists for no good reason. Still, like there's no valid whether you're right, blue, green, you know none of this shit matters like you know we're all as american citizens you know individually or as an all we all should be equal and, and any prohibition for no good reason exists like that's the one hanging like thing can be used uh, uh against us which is crazy mm -hmm. I, I like to bitch a lot i'm sorry chris I'm, you know like the business <laughs> no, side yeah. of things for me like as you heard earlier like i'm into the quality side like i yeah. i'm just a i i I was a young pharmaceutical dealer, you know, like I, I, you know, I had my hands, you know, but then as you get older, you realize, you know what? I don't want to own a restaurant. I don't want to be a manager, but I do like writing and I do like uh, science. And so that's kind of where I've led my life. And, and so like, but I really cheer on everybody else who wants to sell and grow, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's my, uh, and your business website, I just, I've been going through looking as we're talking, it's just so clean and adult like, and then that's what I love about it. Like you guys, uh, great information, you know, that you have going on there, man. Thank you. Thank you. And to stay on top of all this content, because you guys put out a lot of content. Yeah. How many writers on staff do you have uh, hounding the beat that is business of cannabis? Yeah, we've got, um, you know, we had some struggles during the pandemic when we couldn't host, host live events. So we've had some some downsizing that unfortunately occurred last year, which was really difficult to work through. But I mean, we've got a whole team of, of journalists and these people are professional journalists and researchers, you know, and we've got, you know, um, you know, 15 to 20 when you include graphic designers and, and all the pieces that, uh, you know, need to fit together to do this. And we've got a print magazine, marijuana business magazine. So 
uh, we, you know, we have a, a whole ecosystem that all works together, whether it's on the website or Hemp Industry Daily or the Factbook or or the magazine that all works together with the live events to really, you know, support and help the people in the industry do things right, do things successfully and learn, learn from mistakes of either themselves or from others or from us. Hmm. Yeah. So, mistakes in this industry can be extremely costly. Yes. Yes. And, and they're, they're made all the time. <laughs> There's everyone makes them even the most successful uh, companies and people in the industry. I've made plenty. I like the joke that a lot of these investors just don't know how to do a Google search. Like there was a reason 10 years ago, you, you people used to get, uh, Shenago, you know, you know, get scammed. But now before you sign that contract or whatever, might, might want to look that person up and check out their past history. Cause it, cause that's the thing about cannabis, right? People are afraid to just say, Hey, I, I want to be a part of this. Uh, or I make my money at this or, you know, it's so weird just to be associated with it. Like what other cause, like, 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 can you lose your job for speaking out for it? Like, it's ridiculous. So, um, but yeah, no, you got great content. Uh, uh, when's in the, the, the next event coming up? Uh, it's the week of October 18th in, in Las Vegas. And we've got, we've got some things that Tuesday, uh, the 19th that are like kind of pre-con pre-sessions for finance and science and hemp. Mm. Ooh. And then the, the main show kicks off on the 20th. And again, we're in two, two big halls in the Las Vegas convention center. We're trending really well in terms of interest and attendees and exhibitors and, you know, didn't really know what to expect. We had a great year in 2019, record year. And then we had 2020 where we weren't able to host it. We had to go virtual. Uh, and so it's kind of like when we came out of this, you know, A, can we do it? You know, which six months ago, we're like, yeah, we think we can do it. Let's hope things don't, you know, get worse. And uh, now now we're, we're off to the races, but didn't know how the industry would respond. We heard good things, but we're really seeing that. The cannabis industry is eager to get back in person, as most people are, but there's an exponential effect here because cannabis, as you were saying earlier, um, is built on the culture and, and interconnectivity, right? That's how it was built. That's the cultural side, puff, puff, pass, as you said before, but it's also how business has been done and how the industry was created. And so out of all industries out there, I think this is among the top that's the most excited to be like, okay, we need to get around each other again, right? That's how we're going to yeah. push everything forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I didn't have the budget for MJ BizCon booths. Those suckers, spendy. But I mean, yeah. how many exhibitors are you guys having? I think we're over 1,200 now. Nice. I think we just got to 1,200. Awesome. Um, so we're, we're basically right where we were in 2019, which is saying something because there's we're coming out of the pandemic. There are people who are obviously hesitant to travel and figuring out where they're comfortable. And, and so we see other events outside of cannabis that are, that are coming back at about 50% of where they were in 2019. Hmm. So our show floor is, is, is roaring. Uh, we're, we're coming out of the gates here. Um, our attendee, um, we're, we're getting a lot of traction with attendees and uh, we don't release numbers until after, but we're really pleased with how that's going. It's holding up really well. And uh, we're going to have the critical mass there. And, you know, a lot of people are waiting to the last minute, too, to decide, you know, they don't my, want to. Go. It's not my fault. I had already made the decision. Spirit <laughs> Airlines. Spirit Airlines. Are Spirit Airlines. I'm supposed to be doing the Gangier thing. And then you have to go from Humboldt to Sacramento. And then Spirit Air is, is, is screwing with that. But I think so it's at the convention center. Uh, I've never really been to Vegas. Uh, so where, where would I consider lodging then that's close or adjacent to the uh, convention center? Well, the, the hotel blocks that we have across the city with the major hotels and, and casinos um, on the strip, we're almost sold out of the ones where we have partnerships and we give discounts like that. It's, it's I think we're at 90%, 98%. Um, there's a lot of places to stay in Vegas though. Uh, so the convention center is on, on, on an end of the strip that was kind of dilapidated for a while, but they just built this huge new resort complex called resort world. Um, so there's a lot of options there and, and you can go from, you know, staying in a, a cheap, uh, shady motel to spending thousands of dollars in a penthouse. They've got options everywhere. Awesome. Uh, uh, internet well, cleanliness. That's yeah, really yeah. If I have those two things, I can work, you know? <laughs> you can get you, out there. Yeah. Who do you recommend should go? Like growers and uh, uh, dispensary owners? Like what range yeah. of in the industry, who, who, who do you think should benefit? We, we really built this as the show for the entire industry. 
And, and, and there's, there's benefits and downsides to that. The downsides are you can't be everything to everyone. Right. And we've gotten so big that, um, you know, and there's so many elements of the industry. It's not like other industries that might be focused on one specific thing like computer chips. Um, you know, we've got all across the supply chain, um, retail, cultivation, processing, right? Then you got ancillary and then you got consumer facing uh, companies that are developing products for consumers. So um, and they need a B2B angle, too. So we really try and bring the entire industry together because what we realized is if we just did a cultivation conference and there's ones out there, um, And the industry is connected throughout. So you can get some benefits because you can hone in on just cultivation, but you're missing everything that goes around it to make it successful. So, you know, it's it's we can't be everything to everyone. We can't obviously get everything. We can't go as deep in some areas as we want. But that's not our point. It's the point. The point is to get this industry together and foster all of these niches. And then you have the spinoff things like after hours parties where yeah. you were mentioning before, that's a great part of the ecosystem we created. And so people say, yeah, I, I had a great deal there. I met an investor. I met a partner. It might be on the show floor. It might be at a, a, a after party, you know, at, oh, yeah. at Caesar's Palace. What? Because, um, I mean, Dan, you have a lot of uh, uh, booths and they're filled up. Like, I, I, I really would want to. I love these events. Like uh, one out here, uh, Canacon, one of the other ones, you know, I've, I've been to. And I know the the guys but um you know, I, I just really enjoyed like you know the hobnobbing uh the, the variety of to see different you know from scale manufacturers to extraction uh specialists uh, uh you know the gamut of people that attend these events and and it, it's quite it's worth it you know in my opinion if, if you're wanna if you're making money if you're uh, uh, invested somehow in the industry you should attend these things like you know in, in your guys's event it's definitely been one that people Friends of mine that go to it, you know, because I'm friends with people who make money in the industry. I, I don't make money in this industry. You know, I've been doing this uh, activist thing, and now Tom and I are doing the YouTube thing. So one day, you know, one day I'll, I'll get out, you know, but your event's definitely one that I would definitely want to hit because those kind of things, like you're hitting the, the business adult side, right? So, like, the, you're saying this the first days is uh, tech and science? Uh, first days we have some specialty separately ticketed tracks that are, you know, finance, science, hemp, yeah. uh, things. Are they like going to be like a, a speaker forums or? Yeah, it's like a, full, it's a full day, full day pre-conference just dedicated to those topics. And that's, 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 you get information when you go to these things, you, you learn. Oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. the focus of it is the uh, education. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now, and the then, investment aspect and the finance aspect of it's so important, especially now in the social equity world that we live in. Uh, trying to raise money is going to be a very obvious uh, thing that most of the teams that are going to be awarded a license are going to have to do. Yeah. It's not like the, even if you go to Oklahoma, you still have to spend the money to build the grow out uh, or to open the retail location. And your regulations are going to be higher than Oklahoma. It's not going to be Oklahoma, New Jersey or New York. If anything, it'll probably be more like an Illinois or a California regulated market where it's going to be expensive to operate. And so those types of capital partners are, are really going to, they're going to be required. Otherwise the social equity applicants that are just going to be out there. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's the big change we've seen in recent years too, is in a lot of cases you need financial backing to start companies. You used to be able, some of the initial um, entrepreneurs in Denver that started, uh, you know, they opened with $20,000 and that was it, or $20,000 worth of weed. Yeah, and, and then and then did it out of their home, and then opened the storefront. You know, those days are gone in most states, and and that's the thing. It varies by state, and there are some that are more inexpensive than others to get started. But now, more often than not, you need hundreds of thousands, if not into the millions, to open licensed businesses. Cultivation can be very expensive because the states, some states, you know, you have to show you have a million and a half in liquid capital. Mm-hmm. And then you got to secure your real estate in some states before you even know if you win a license. That's that's how you have to lock it up. And then you have to have liquidity of a quarter mil to be eligible for one dispo in Ohio. And so that type of aspect is um, it's just there. And then when they're trying to do the social equity and award licenses thusly, uh, trying to get that to have its capital partner uh, on board is going to be a trick. And I kind of it's, it's interesting how New Jersey is approaching it. It looks like the whole financial markets that are there and the hedge funds and stuff, 
have kind of infiltrated it with this financial source agreement and passive investors. And so it's mm -hmm. going to be interesting to see if there's going to be portfolio social equity companies that yeah. investors could, you know, finance appropriately. Yeah, and we get a lot of the investing is a big part of MJ BizCon because a lot of investors are there, right? They're not they're not walking around with a giant sign on their neck saying, I'm an investor, come talk to me, <laughs> right? But they're there, right? And they're looking yeah. for opportunities. Uh, they don't want, you know, 100 people to trample them. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the, the investing side is, is growing and is what you're seeing is more serious, big investors and savvy investors are getting in. Uh, it used to be, you know, there, there was a crew, a crop of investors with that background that had pioneered their side of the industry, you know, like uh, Poseidon Asset Management and people associated with ArcView. There was an early wave that had that background and they took the chances. Now you're seeing the, the people who are really looking are like, you know, hedge fund, <laughs> Wall Street people. Yeah. And, and that might make some people cringe uh, with reasonably so. But um, I'm just pointing out that this is an iteration that the big money. Mm -hmm. is now taking this seriously. And then okay. one of the things that Miggy does is he works on standards and processes, so ISOs and other stuff. And as the federal legalization becomes a reality, I don't think you're going to see those requirements for GMP compliance go away if they're there in Canada. And so that's just going to produce a higher cost of entry. So yeah. if you're not even growing to those types of standards yet, you're going to need to in the future. And then standing up a grow or a manufacturer will become more costly. And then what happens if the FDA starts to regulate the dispensing end of it? You know? Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because if you're playing a long game in this industry and you're getting in and you have the the wherewithal to do it, you should be setting the bar high for your operations and and pretending like the FDA and the government is regulating it and, and follow yeah. other industry models, because if you build your business on a lower level and then something changes and the federal government steps in, you're going to have a, a hard slog there to get up to the standards. So that's what you're seeing companies do. They're using the the best packaging regulations that they could find, for instance, on their products. And they're just like, we're going to go with these, right? And the best manufacturing um, best practices and guidelines, because if you start there, then you don't have to rearrange everything if and when the, the, there's stricter regulations or government oversight. Oh, well, yeah. you know, okay. I'm, uh, I'm we're doing saying, a grow in, in Illinois now. And so as we're getting the plans yeah. together, I'm like, no, you should just do it. Because are you going to be using this in two years when it's federally legal? Yes. Yeah. There you exactly. go. Do it. You know? Yeah. Well, it's a whole QMS. You know, if, when you have a, a quality management system, it's going to encompass everything. And, and then, you know, if you meet FDA specs, else below, you know, is fundamental. They're all going to be in line, you know, as long as you're not doing something corrupt, you know, but it if requires a higher capital infusion. And so yeah, you have these sure. twin goals, the lowering of the barrier to entry and the empowerment of the social equity or social justice or the impact applicants to have licenses in this industry. And then the higher cost of doing business because of the regulatory compliance that you're forcing on them. And, and that's, okay. Yeah. And that's why I was saying, if you have the wherewithal, because I completely agree and, and and not oblivious to the fact that most businesses aren't able to do that across their company and go the highest level of everything. So if you do, you should. And if you can get there or you can pick a piece of your business that you can do that, because I get it. You don't want to spend all this money and time and it might not materialize for five years. Right. You're like, well, why are we way up here and invest all this money and stuff? And, you know, that we don't even know when that's going to pay off, but it will pay off if you do it, because those are standards that other industries have found that yeah. work and are key to producing quality products and selling them and having, getting trust. So I would also argue that it's probably still worth the investment because these are things that work and, and create a sustainable industry. Well, it's funny, Chris, it's, you know, well, I'm doing a good job when no one knows I exist. You know, like that's what the quality system enables. Like yeah. you, you know, you have your checks and balances. Nothing's going to go bad in the long run. You know, your your products always going to be consistent. You know, that's that that's uh, you know, like you were saying, uh, uh, Tom, with the uh, uh, the entry in the barrier. You know, and again, though, is uh, opening a lemonade stand versus uh, opening a restaurant, right? You're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a restaurant. You're gonna be in code with the the, the local, uh, you know, building. Uh, codes and then also then your uh, cleanliness code for the kitchen itself 
you know, and then now just add weed. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's what most people don't wrap their heads around when it comes to cannabis is we call it medical. And then, you know, we have this uh, vision in our head. What is medical? But it's still just a plant. And, and, and that fundamentally can just just add weed, whatever you're doing in real life. Like you're doing reporting and journalism on business. Now you just add weed. You know, it's just I just wish people get their heads wrapped around that cannabis is not this like heroin. That's the problem. You know, the scheduling confuses people. It's like, what, what if we're going to infuse everything with coffee? You know, like, you know, I'm going to have coffee, ice cream, coffee, uh, uh, pizza for God forbid, whatever. You, you can infuse shit, if anything. And now yeah. just weed. Yeah, but uh, the word weed. <laughs> people don't like to change, Miggy. But I'm just saying but they've that already thinking. made up their mind. Yeah. And you're going to give them something that confuses them because they've already made up their mind. They just don't listen. And so that's why California is still like half illegal, you know? Well, like, Chris, you've been in the industry for 10 years. What other industries have you seen that kind of like want to be infused? Um, I think the the early adopters, the the outside industries that started taking a look when it wasn't cool uh, or, or it was always cool, but when it wasn't mainstream yeah. um, was, uh, you know, I think it's the it was the vendors in the agricultural sector. It's the companies that build greenhouses and supply lighting to grow on a mass scale to traditional farmers. They were among the first to say, hey, this is exactly what we do. It's just a different type of plant. And we're going to take a risk. And even though, you know, our mainstream clientele may not like it, we're going to open up this little division called green something or other, right? Um, So that they don't see the direct connection. Those have been in it for years. And you even have, um, you know, Scott's Miracle Grow got in years ago. And they took a big chance, you know, getting into this federally legal industry when big companies weren't doing that. Um, that's where I saw the really initial outside interest of like putting big bets on the industry and uh, and understanding the opportunity. And, and you know, whether it's other industries or the, the people in the industry that made their, you know, that they really pioneered this, I applaud everyone, you know, because there were risks and there were professional and legal stigmas around this, you know, and, and, uh, and so, you know, how do you find the best opportunities? You take risks and you're out out there at the beginning and out front in a lot of cases. And mm. so everyone who did that, you know, it's it's hopefully paying off for them. And and it wasn't an easy thing to make that decision. Even when we started this company, you know, it's like, hey, we built our careers. Marijuana still has a stigma. I remember when we first yeah. started and I was trying to understand the industry. I was spending all day, every day researching marijuana laws and regulations. But I, I did have a thought a couple of weeks in like. You know, I hope no one, you know, I hope I'm not triggering some kind of, you know, flags with the federal government because, <laughs> you know, like it, I, it could I, be a thing. Know. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. No, we've been on lists. Like, so uh, some of our stuff uh, yeah. on, on social media is has always been flagged. And so like we have this fairly large Facebook page that's got about 300,000 likes on it. But around like seven years ago or six years ago now, uh, it hit an algorithm update and then it just went dead. Yeah. And so they didn't delete it. It just gets muted. And so sometimes like YouTube and and so we have to be very conscientious not to swear, not to smoke on the air. Uh, and still, like I did a piece about, um, you know, status All of, of litigation, done, by the way. Pardon? All of which you've both done during this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we try our best. We said try. He's a lawyer. He's got the right words. <laughs> still oh, you'll get flagged i mean you just have to watch out for it i mean like it's been uh, impossible to try to like uh, advertise anything on the internet yeah. regarding your cannabis business i'm starting to see some of them have you guys ever been able to buy like google ads to market uh, your your trade shows and your products yeah i mean it goes back and forth since we don't touch the plant um you know it's it's a it's even more gray i mean there's if you're a dispensary or infused products company you know, there's one set of rules. If you're in what we do or what you do, uh, you know, it's it's really tricky. Um, we've had our we had our social media temporarily suspended even recently. We've been around for 10 years and we don't sell marijuana. Right. We help the industry and we were able to get it back up quickly. But you never know what's going to happen with yeah. social media, with advertising, who's going to take you, who's not. They might take you one time and then the wrong person sees it at the company and says, what's this? You know, yeah. so. It's it's a mess, and that's one of the challenges of operating in cannabis. Are you yeah, I've of, tried to yeah. advertise, like you know, 
because the applications in Illinois are complex as heck. And as we're you know on a deadline to get your application for uh, administrative review on file today, um, I, I have no idea why I can't advertise services to these people yeah. to help them apply for this, which has been legal in that state and is extremely confusing and complex. Yeah, it's, a, you know, it's mind boggling when you think of the banking situation and big banks can't serve the industry. Oh, great. We have $20 billion. A lot of it can't be banked. It makes no sense. You can't advertise, even though it's legal in 38 states and most people live in a state that has legalized and most people support legalization by a wide margin. Like it, when you when you just if you came out of space Right. Uh, <laughs> for the first time, you'd be like, what the hell is going on here? Or like, just congratulations. Seriously? You've won the title of stupidest race I've ever met. Yeah, you we've know? never encountered a more ignorant species. Right. Right. So for MJ Biz Daily, though, because you are a media website, you are a, a journalism, um, and, and there are packages out there that advertising packages that people will sell and then, you know, in bulk and then get placed in different media ads. Yeah. Are you allowed to be part of those media packages? Can you say, Hey, you know, uh, uh, throw our name in your, you know, I, I don't know what they're called, like group or whatever, but are you, are you allowed to, do, are you allowed to play like other media playbook? Um, no, we still have, we still have areas that are difficult. I mean, there's some traditional mainstream Google has been one of them, which you mentioned, uh, you know, it's, it's, it can be difficult if not impossible depending on the day. Um, you know, that's why we serve as a main advertising vehicle for the industry, not, not to consumers, right? That's not our audience, but anyone who's trying to reach the business audience because of all these restrictions makes what we do even more, um, attractive because that's, that's what we do, but you might not get, you know, the mainstream ad services that are, they're going to let you do it. No, I mean, like, but that's that's true. And so I've looked at your guys's traffic on MJBizDaily.com. You guys have amazing traffic. And so if we have this new product that we're launching for helping people understand the cannabis industry better and streamline their applications, I would definitely consider advertising on a publication like that because that is a relevant audience. You well, know, it's, it's not just going out. Yeah. And that's what we've we've built over the years is that this is a targeted audience. So you know what you're getting. It's not, you know, if I wrote about some dog that was cured with cannabis of a tumor, you know, our traffic could be quadruple, right? But it wouldn't be the right people. Mm -hmm. It would be just someone who says, oh, that's cute. Or, you know, so, so we don't do stuff like that. But we also have our newsletters, which people subscribe to, which are free. But, you know, that's, that's another source of how we found the, the um, companies in the industry can get in front of potential clients by being, uh, you know, advertising a newsletter and stuff. So that's our whole like giant ecosystem that we try to create. Totally, man. Hey, thanks for joining us. I know you got to go here in a hard stop. Well, when's the next? Uh, when's MJ BizCon in in Vegas? And are there COVID pro protocols? Yeah, it's um, basically the week of the 18th. We've got there's festivities all over the place the entire week, but the main conference is the 20th, which is a Wednesday through that Friday. And um, you know, COVID is interesting. We're following CDC and and the Nevada and Las Vegas guidance, and so. Our show, uh, everyone has to be masked up indoors uh, at, in Vegas, no matter where you are. All the casinos, all that, all the hotels. So uh, we're implementing that too. We've spaced things out more so people can spread out. Uh, you might see, you might have seen pictures of two or three years ago, and it's just uh, you know packed convention hall. So we spread things out so people feel safe that way. And we're we're encouraging everyone to get vaccinated, but um, but it's not a requirement. Right on. But maps are, so I can't be like, but I have yeah. a card. Yeah. Still <laughs> the map. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right on, man. Thank you, dude.